Hi there, I'm Ben Pierce, and welcome to the Elevated You podcast, the podcast all about helping you in the tech world develop your professional skills. Each episode, we share the top tips, failures, and lived experiences of people thriving in the same world as you. I'm so glad you're here. So let's get going. So hi, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of the Elevated You podcast. So today, we're going to be talking about influencing senior business leaders, which personally, I've found a real challenge in the past. And I'm really excited to be joined by a lovely chap who I've known for many years, and who has got such good stuff to share with us. So please welcome to the podcast, Tony Whitehorn. Hi, Ben. <laughs> How was that? I feel like I need to clap. Yeah, I think you do as well. I like the sound of that a lot. <laughs> well, thanks so much for, for joining us here uh, to come and talk to our audience. Could you introduce yourself? Yeah, of course. I'm Tony Whitehorn. Um, I'm from the motor industry, the automotive industry. I've been doing it for oh, well over 30 years, which is crazy. Um, held senior positions for Toyota, um, CEO for Toyota, uh, Renault, and then more recently I was president and CEO for Hyundai, or Hyundai, whatever people want to call it, but Hyundai is now the, the good name for it. <laughs> right. uh, that's for the UK and for parts of Northern Europe as well. Okay, and so you spent a long time in senior business leader roles in the in the automotive industry. Yeah. Um, and that's changed recently. What What is it you're up to these days? Yeah, so nowadays um, I stepped down a couple of years ago, set up my own company. Uh, quite fascinating because now I am an advisor uh, for people in the, in the automotive industry. But what is fascinating is that I'm as well an advisor for people in the mobility industry. And with mobility comes technology. Okay. So I am a senior advisor for a very large software company uh, who operate globally. Right. And, and and I think that was why when I we were chatting a few weeks ago mm. and I was thinking, um, you know, what topics would be great on the on the podcast? And traditionally, myself included, technical people have found it difficult to maybe influence business people. Yeah. And you're in a wonderful position at the moment where you've spent a lifetime in the business world and mm-hmm. specifically the automotive industry. Mm. And as they digitize, you're spending a lot of time with tech companies yeah. now. And so I thought it would be great to take like an outside in approach. So for somebody that probably doesn't identify as a deep techie like yourself, mm. but has worked with a lot of people that yeah. are very technical to give us some tips mm. and to give us some tricks on on how to influence yeah. business leaders. So that would be lovely if we mm. go through that over the next few minutes. So I wonder if we could start with when you were working in a in a huge um, corporate in a, you know some of the big corporates. We were talking before about your prep before you turned up to a meeting. Yeah. Um, and, and it was just fascinating to me because the way you would prep as a senior leader was very different to the way that I've prepped. Well, so I wonder, maybe you could just talk us through yeah, the sure. reality of you're coming into a meeting with yeah. some people. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. What's going through your mind and what's happening before? So I would say that um, as a CEO, this happens an awful lot, whereby you go from meeting to meeting and the variety of the topics that you're dealing with is considerable. So I would, on numerous occasions... Uh, my peer was saying to me, all right, Tony, uh, this is your next meeting. Hand me the papers. I'll be walking to the meeting. I'm thinking, I don't actually know too much about what this meeting is about. <laughs> Quickly do a skim read beforehand. And you're talking two minutes, two or three minutes, just understanding it. 
walking in to that meeting. And it's what I call the top of the waves approach, whereby I literally hit the top of the waves and I know where the waves are. I don't know the depth of it. But it's almost such that I give the impression that I understand the direction in which the waves are going, but I don't know how high they are, where they come from, but that doesn't matter. And from a CEO's point of view and a senior leadership point of view, that's the key to it, is the ability to be able to understand what the waves look like, but not understand how they're formed. Okay. And and so this is interesting because I think in the tech world, I've spent a lot of my time thinking about how, how the waves are formed and the nuance and uh, the challenge and the detail of, of what's going on that. But but you're thinking about the real tip of the waves, the, yep. way, the, the way that the waves are moving. So can you maybe talk us through, have you been in any meetings or any examples where you've worked with, with, with people from a technical background and you're kind of coming in with this tip of the waves mm. approach? How have those meetings gone where yeah. you've been? So a really good example was um, at Hyundai when, when we... Uh, we were one of the first companies to go uh, into e-commerce completely. Okay. So in other words, you could buy a brand new car. This is back in 2014. You could buy a brand new car from your from your front room okay. um, entirely online. That was pretty unusual. In fact, nobody else had done that. But in order to do that, what you had to do is and it was a third party that we, we got to come in. Um, but of course, they had to then link all of their systems into our systems. And uh, from my perspective, uh, what I was interested in was I was interested in the what. What the tech guys were interested in was the how. And that to me was, you know, and, and over the years, I think that's what I see as the difference between a somebody who is thinking about the business that they want to know what is being done. Yeah. Somebody who is trying to implement it and getting the technology side of it, they want to know how it's going to be done. But actually, I don't care. In fact, I was in the meeting. That, so I remember this. <laughs> I was in the meeting itself. And uh, they were saying, yeah, OK, so uh, we've got our platform. So we've our platform is, I remember they just called their platform a JR3. OK. And your one is an R4. I didn't care. I actually didn't care what that was. It was just like bizarre. And then we're saying, so therefore we need to connect here with APIs. So I'm lost. I'm actually lost on those bits there. And it was something about that they, that I found that tech people were getting into the detail far too quickly when it's actually unnecessary. And I just want, but what they have to do was they have to explain um, not just the what, but also have to give me some confidence. It's no good just saying, yeah, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Um, they have to give me some confidence. And I remember that one, there was, because there was a Korean guy in there who, who was very interesting. And what he did was he said, yeah, but what we also need to make sure of is um, when we're doing all of this is that we need to check the firewalls of the, of the third party yeah. and the firewalls are ours. And I'm going, I understand that. And so he's identifying where the challenges are. Yeah. I don't care. You know, he didn't go into how he's going to do that. Yeah. But he, he, so he gave me confidence that he was going through how those issues were going to, were going to, to work. They also went through the aspects of um, things like uh, it being in 
everything had to be in real time. So if you actually were ordering a car online, it was important that that car was was ordered in real time, such that that car that was on a boat somewhere actually was allocated. And he had to, he, he explained to me um, that this can be done in real time, uh, that it doesn't, it isn't going to run overnight. Okay. Because actually he might have ordered it and then somebody else down the road on their their PC also were going to order it and you'd have two orders on one car. But he had identified that technologically that was an issue and he was going to be able to solve it. So I didn't know how he was going to do that. Yeah. So it was fascinating to see that one guy in the room was interested in speaking about the R4 and, and the <laughs> JR3 and actually that was irrelevant. But the other guy said... Yeah, from these are the firewalls, and this here is going to be in real time. And I'm going, and I gravitated to this guy here yeah. because he was fulfilling the issues that I had, and I didn't need to know how it was going to be done. So, so interesting there. So you you gravitated to the guy that was speaking in a language that that you could understand, yeah, and you could understand it. And actually, this guy that was speaking in a language you understand could have been not you know talking rubbish yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah but you gravitated and were prepared to listen so the guy that knew the jr3s and the jr4s yeah. could have been yeah. the most technically gifted person yeah. know the answer to everything yeah. and actually you were gravitating towards the other one because he was speaking a language that you could understand and that's the key the, key, the key is the key is um going into into a degree of familiarity um i think that uh Someone who's a C-suite person who's not a techie, and I'm not a techie. Um, on the one hand, I don't want to need to know about the JR3s and the JR4s and the APIs and seeing things involved with that. But actually, um, it also, I'm conscious that I don't know loads about tech. And I don't want to go into there because actually that's not my sweet spot. So, so when you start dragging me into there, I'm going to areas of unknown. Yeah. So that doesn't, one it doesn't interest me. Secondly, it doesn't necessarily frighten me, but I'm into an area of the business that I'm with which I'm not familiar. Yeah. So so that's that's where people I think don't like to go. Really a really good comparison, you know, is um somebody who is a CFO and someone who's a CTO. Okay. All right. And um uh both of them are specialists. And I was thinking this through beforehand, uh, is that is that you quite often get CFOs who do become CEOs. Okay. I have never seen a CTO become a CEO. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, in the business life, you might in a te technical company, technological company, but in in the business life, why is that? I think it's because C CFOs over a period of time have realised that it's no good talking figures per se, that they need to talk about business. And in fact, a whole lot of uh, the finance division, you know, we had business managers in the finance division. They weren't bean counters. They were looking at what the business was doing and they were enabling them, the, the numbers to, to produce solutions for the business. Yep. Whereas a CTO, um, I think probably look much more at the technology sign uh, significance rather than come up with the pure solutions. Yeah. So it, I think that's going to happen. I think eventually you will get some CTOs or CIOs coming into the into becoming a CEO. 
but it's almost like the situation is that CFOs have understood that they are much more part of the business and therefore are given if business solutions, whereas a CTO is perhaps looking at the intricacies and not focusing so much on the solution itself. Have I, have I explained yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so and, and we've talked about this as, as well before in, in the past. So it's this, I guess, the idea that, that the uh, people with the technical bent often are gravitating and are interested by it. It's interesting you're talking about what you're interested by there, by the solution. How, mm. how, how are we going to do this? Mm. Um, but actually to influence somebody who's a senior business leader, mm. often we not need to be thinking about that, the solution and the how, and we mm. don't need to get there really quickly. We need to spend a bit more time understanding the why, mm. understanding the business reason, and being able to articulate that to senior leaders in a language that they understand. Mm. And that's not to filter out the complexity or to pretend the complexity isn't there, but it's to present it in a way that you can consume, that you can make decisions upon mm. uh, and, and aren't too in the weeds, the JR3s mm. and the JR4s mm. and that mm. kind of stuff. Oh, abs- absolutely right. Um, and it, it's um, it, th- there is that situation whereby... Everybody has their own language. Uh, you know, in my industry, you talk about TIVs and SARS and things like that, which we're going to understand it. But actually, uh, the technical people as well have theirs. I remember um, when I first went to uh, the conference and I, I got up and t- gave a speech. This was at the, the software company that I work, work with now. And I gave a speech about uh, mobility. And, and then, th- then they started talking about APIs and and IoT, you're talking, okay, what, so three or four years ago, uh, and I remember sitting there, getting my, getting my little iPad out, and I'm like, IoT, what the heck's <laughs> IoT? <laughs> and this was in the conference, and I was on the stage, and I'm like, what is IoT, and what is an API? Yeah. So, so there is that situation whereby you have to be very, very careful. It's about, because people, people normally just like speaking in the language with which they're familiar. Of course they do. Yeah. But they they therefore think that everybody else knows all about that language. Yeah. I tell you what, you ask many CEOs and say, explain to me what an API is. Yeah. Um, and even a number of, a little bit better now, but, you know, what is IoT to a CEO? A- IoT to a CEO. They won't know. Yeah. They actually won't know. Yeah. So you have, to, you have to bear that in mind. But it's quite, I think that's quite a difficult thing to do in terms of, it's something about um, uh, simplifying things things but uh but not making making it too simple yeah and i think that's a real challenge so uh, you know what you could do in terms of you know we need to connect these two platforms together you know so we can api them so okay i've got it now i understand that's what an api can do yeah so so it's it's almost like uh saying it um with an explanation and then bolting on the, the sort of whatever the, the word happens to be that's appropriate to it. Okay, okay. So there's something about the, the jargon gap, and you mentioned some acronyms that I had no... I thought SARS was a disease. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So yeah. There's, there's something about... There, there's, a, there's a jargon gap. There's something about the digital fluency of, of the C-suite yeah. and, and maybe how that's changing as, as, yeah. as business is digitised, the mm. digital fluency of, of, the, of the C-suite is, is developing a little yeah, bit. And that's going to stop me on that because I was thinking about this on my way here and I was thinking, you know, when I first became a CEO, um, 
the in my in my, in the C-suite, uh, there was the CFO, the COO, the CDO, Chief Development Officer, the CPO, uh, Chief People Officer, um, and the CMO, Chief Marketing Officer. There was no CTO. Okay. All right. In fact, the IT came under the CFO. Okay. All right. Um, when I left, we had a CIO. Okay. Which is has a lot of the CTO uh, connotations to it. So. What has happened is that as technology has increased, so um, the, 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 the CTO, CIO role has become more important. And most businesses now have some sort of CTO, CIO individual. So you're right. Over time, the, the, the digitization, the technology has become so influential and so important in businesses. It now has a position on the, um, on the C-suite. Right. OK. So... So I guess if I'm sort of now trying to take this uh, and, and thinking, right, so what, what tips are there for me to do? So so I'm in a position now where I need to influence a senior leader. Um, I'm hearing, right, I need to think about less about the solutions so quickly, less about the details so quickly. I need to think about, John, I guess if you were going to sort of go through those top tips, what what, what would we, could you recap? So what would be the top tips for folks okay. that you would say, these are the things or the muscles you need to build to to effectively influence people a bit like yourself? Yeah, yeah, of course. It, you know, it's the, the age old thing about, of course, you ask questions um, about what is the, are the business reasons that you want to have this technological solution in there. That's really important. And almost repeat them back to me. But repeat them back to me with a solution. And that's important. Um, I need to have confidence that you are technologically savvy enough to be able to apply your technology skills to my business issues. So it's like, okay, so let me talk talk me through, you know, why do you want to go um, into e-commerce? Well, let me explain. This is why I want to go into e-commerce. Okay. Fine. So you can actually order your car online. Okay. So the challenges we're going to have here is to connect um, this third-party uh, platform with the the platform that Hyundai has themselves. Uh, okay. We believe that we can do that, uh, and that's actually a relatively simple thing to undertake. We have to be careful in terms of the compliance issues. We have to be careful as well in terms of the firewall issues. Um, we have some challenges internally because it's written in a different language to your ones. All of those things, I'm going, great, they understand it. And, and actually, it's an understandable language. Yeah. I don't need to know what language, what software language both these are in. It's yeah. irrelevant. But you've identified there's different languages. Yeah. Great. And it's almost those are the hallmarks that you are giving me confidence that you understand what the issues are, you understand what you need to do to solve those issues, i.e. the solutions, but you don't need to tell me how you're going to do it. Yeah. And that's the key. Right. Okay. And so then at what level of leadership, I guess, do you then, do we then start to, where does it go from, right, I've got a nice idea, what what are we doing, to the the, the how, you know, because... You know, as they say, the devil's in the detail, yeah, you know, yeah, and that's yeah. where you get projects that sprawl on yes. or projects that fail. So there's there's something right at the top that's saying this is the direction of the yeah, wave that, yeah. that we're we're going into. At, at what point do we now need to go? Well, th- this is the this is the how from your perspective. Mm. Where would that be in the organisation? That OK, that would be I, so so immediately what I would do is I would give the how over to my CTO. OK, OK. So I don't need to know that the how. Yeah. And then. What he would do is he would know pretty much the how, 
but he would also delegate down. And it's this it's this situation of as you go up the organization, I was talking to somebody about this this morning, actually, as you go up the organization. Um, so what you've got to do is you've got to let go because you do not have the capacity to know everything. Okay. And that is a real problem with an awful lot of leaders is that they want to get into the weeds. Okay. And in doing that, um, you become less effective. Uh it, part, part of that has to happen anyway because you just don't have the capacity and therefore you delegate out. Of right. course you do. Um, but you have to stop yourself getting into the how. You have to say to yourself, I, I don't need to know the how. I need to have to trust my CTO that he knows the how. And he actually has to trust the programmers that they really know the details of the language that's that's going to be put in place. Mm. He doesn't need to know what the specific language is, what the coding happens to be. Mm. So it's almost like... I need to be able to distill what I need to know, as does everybody in every organization, because there is somebody somewhere who is actually, you know, doing all the coding on that. So it's it's. Uh, so one of the people who took over me from one of my one of my jobs, he, he was he would work night and day um, uh, at doing his work because he felt that he needed to know the detail. And I. It was a tragedy in the end because, surprisingly enough, um, the people who worked for him didn't respect him for it. Right. Because uh, he wanted to know the detail. And when you are in the C-suite, you cannot know the detail. Yeah. And that's interesting. And so to succeed in the C-suite, you, you can't. You can't be doing the hack. You, you can't. So if we're going to set you up for success yep. as tech influencers to you, we need to appreciate you you can't the senior leaders can't correct and if they are god they're struggling a little bit mm. so we need to go in armed yep. and ready to be able to to change that yep. language now i'm going to take you back to a point that you you talked a little bit about which was a, about the business skills mm. of uh technical folk mm. and when we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago you were sort of saying well actually um once we start to get into the more of the, the the detail of the business side, sometimes the technical folk don't understand that, yep. and actually that's a bit of a muscle that would be a useful thing to build. Yeah, C- can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, certainly. I think what happens, <clears throat> and I I do liken um, the 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 IT the technology side of things to the finance side of things. That I think that they have great similarities because they are specialists. Um, and but in doing that, what you end up doing is you end up staying in your specialism. And as you move up uh, in the organization, um, you don't get many people who move away from um, a finance division into a sales division or into a marketing division, which is a real shame. Uh, and in fact, my son, who's a chartered accountant, um, so he he qualifies as a chartered accountant. And I said to him. You need to get out of there. And he, he joined one company in the finance division. Um, and then he joined another company. And now he's he's actually the CDO. So he's a chief development officer. He got out. But he his focus was, I need to get out of, of being a finance specialist because I need to broaden my situation. I think it's the same with technology people. Okay. I think technology people actually can grow up in a technology side of things. But... If they really want to appreciate how the business works, 
my recommendation to them is to okay. move out. You can move from technical and okay. you can move into, guess what? You can move into sales. Okay. But you can, you can bring what you have um, as a specialist in the technology field and bring it into the sales. It's great. It's wonderful having... Um, I had somebody in my press and PR department at my last, when I was at um, Hyundai, uh, and, and he, he had, he was, he used to be a technician and right. he had, he was really good as a technician. He then grew up and became um, a, a senior in head office in terms of um, his, te his, his tech skills, his, you know, how a car works. And then we brought him into press and PR. Yeah. And he was brilliant in press and PR because he could talk to press people all about not just the product, but actually how the product worked. Yeah. They loved it. Yeah. And what I'm trying to say here is that the tech guys as well, they can actually come out of their comfort zone and go into other areas of the business, yeah. but bring that tech skill with them. They have, it's a, it's a, it's a great thing that not many people have is um, trying to bring that with them. I am a big believer in, in generalists. Um, I think that a good CEO, I would say that because <laughs> I'm a generalist. I'm not, I am not a salesman or a marketing guy or a, a finance guy. I've done all of those jobs. And I think that if you are a CEO, a good CEO has a breadth of business and you have the specialists who work for you yeah, um, or work with you. And I would say that that's what, if you're a tech guy, don't always think you're going to stay a tech guy, but start to use the skills that you've got and move into other areas of the business. And you will bring a wealth of, um, of experience into those areas of the business that historically haven't had them. Okay. So for all of those, I guess, aspiring, who aspire to lead companies to be CEOs, and actually in an upcoming episode, we've got a... A guy who started off as a technical engineer uh, and uh, has moved into a CEO. So we, we've yeah. got that coming up in, in, uh, in, nice a, in a future yeah, episode. Um, but so you're saying go and work in all of these different departments. Definitely. And, and get that different definitely. viewpoint, that different lens. Definitely. Definitely. Now, to those that are that either want to stay in that tech yeah. kind of capacity yeah. or that's where they are at the moment in the short term, but they're finding themselves in... Um, uh, in business conversations, um, w when we were talking before, one of the challenges you were saying that that people uh, feel safe in their comfort zones, um, but struggle with that different subject matter. Mm. And so, and you'd observed it with technical people, perhaps mm. shutting down, not wanting to be vulnerable, mm. that they didn't understand mm. some of these business bits, the SARS or yeah. the TIVs, yeah, yeah, or, or yeah, that kind of yeah. stuff. So, can you talk me through that? Yeah, I, I think as well. What what has to happen? You know, we we are all as individuals. We are very much um, want to have security. Uh, we don't like to be vulnerable, and therefore we gravitate towards those those areas with which we are most familiar. Of course, we do, uh, and certain personality types as well just want to stay there because they don't want to get out of that that that, that comfort zone. Um, what I would encourage uh, managers to do is I would encourage managers of technical people for those technical people to get out. So if if the listeners, some of the listeners here are managers of the technical technical people, their role as a manager and as a director, your role has to be to um, enable your staff to be the best version of themselves. Mm. That's the role of a manager. Mm. And in doing that is you have to break down some of those barriers whereby it enables and you give them opportunities to discover 
um, things about themselves that they can develop. And in doing that, you should you should try and encourage them and help them to move out into other spaces. So it might be, look, um, you know, we've got a secondment um, in marketing. Uh, you happen to be a technical guy, really like you to go and work six months in the marketing division. Yeah. They go, what? They say, that's brilliant. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant for them. It opens their perspectives. Yeah. Uh, and I would really encourage, I think technical people, as we become more technologically reliant, it will be great to have more technical people outside of that division and in a variety of, uh, of departments. That's yeah. key for So if the managers here, they should be looking not just to you know, grow their, their, their homegrown people in their division, but to grow their people in their company. Yeah. And that's where they can start to be planting them in other divisions. Right. OK. So there's lots of opportunities, you reckon, and you'd encourage people move around yeah. different departments. Yeah, right. Ask questions. Yeah. When you when you don't know about acronyms and about reasons behind the, the business driver for a solution, ask questions, be vulnerable yeah. and say, I don't understand this. Can you let me know? And, and, and I'm just sort of thinking that through. You know, as somebody who for many years had a job where I was the subject matter expert mm. in a particular field and it was a narrow field. But you almost get a little bit to a point where like, oh, well, I'm always paid to know the answers. Mm. So to now be in a room and have to, to be vulnerable and say, well, I don't know the answers um, and to do that with credibility was, was something that I felt could be quite challenging. But it, but it's, you're saying it's, it's all good. It's fine. It's, yeah. um, I am a mentor to a COO of a company at the moment um, and we have our monthly catch-ups and uh, I, I say to her it's quite interesting actually I say to her you need to know the what you don't need to know the hows um, because that's not your role uh, you have to be confident enough in a meeting to say I appreciate that let me go and find out the answer for you um, and uh, the and she's done that with her CEO and she came back and she said, do you know what? It was fine. She said, I didn't feel comfortable about not knowing the exact answer. Um, but I went out, I found out the answers. I came back to the CEO and the CEO was fine about it. Yeah. I gave them the answer and they, you know, it, uh, it, she said, I, I think that that's, that's freeing me up a bit yeah. because I just want to know all the hows. Yeah. And that's, I said, you will never know all the hows. Yeah. And particularly with the, the pace of change of business at mm. the moment, with the digitisation, what worked last week yeah. is a completely different thing next yeah. week. So you can't, so get this idea of getting comfortable saying, I don't know, yeah. but I will get back to you. Yeah. But then actually following through so that you do get back to them. That, that's what gives the CEO or gives any C-suite member the comfort is by getting the answer. It's not saying, I don't know. That gives me no comfort. <laughs> if you say, I don't know, I'll find out, and you, you don't come back to me, that still doesn't give me any comfort. Yeah. But it's by doing those three things, saying, I don't know, I'll go and find out for you, and, this, and then come back with the answer. Now I'm comfortable, because what I can do is I can trust you. I can, and next time when you say, I don't know that one, but actually, let me come back to you, and I'll come back to you by this afternoon. Yeah. That's good enough for me. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Well, do you know what? We've been having a great chat. Um, I think it's about probably time to wrap up. So let, let's try and summarise um, just a few points. So I'm just trying to think of the, the key takeaways from my perspective. Um, one, it's there's a there's a gap in the language that we use. Mm. And so therefore try and elevate our tech speak so that we can help bridge that gap a little bit. Yeah. There is another piece in there about learning 
the business language a little bit. So when the SARS and the mm. TIVs, I need to look these up on the internet mm. after yeah. after when they uh, that we are able to engage because yeah. ultimately we want to influence that senior stakeholder, mm. and so we've got a, there's a bit of onus on us yeah. to kind of learn that. So there's a bit about a language, there's a bit about the jargon, bit about staying at the tip of the waves yeah. was a great analogy that you used. And we as tech people often get to that solution and start thinking mm. about the how. Mm. What have I missed? Is there anything I've missed? It is, it is that difference between the what and the how. Okay. That, that to me is important. Um, that when you're talking to the um, to, to about the solutions, you know, just tell me what the solution is. I didn't know. I don't need to know how that solution comes about. And that's quite important. And the other thing is, is I do believe that trying to come out of your comfort zone and come out of a tech and go into variety of departments, <clears throat> you can then go back into tech. Guess what? You can now bring marketing and sales into tech. Yeah. And it's, it, it's it, I, you know, tech, tech, and come back to finance as well. They're seen as back office. Actually, they can be front office. And, and when you because as soon as we use the words back office, it's like irrelevant. CTOs, CFOs are also front office as well. They are part of the, the business environment. Yeah, brilliant. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us. It's, it's been lovely to talk to you today. Now, if people want to get in touch with you, yeah, where, where can they find you? Yeah, look up Tony Whitehorn um, and I'm on LinkedIn and if you want to have a chat about certainly, you know, how do you approach the C-suite? Delighted to have a chat with you. Brilliant. Well, I've personally learned a lot, which is, I think, a good, you know, a, a podcast. If, if a the host is learning something, <laughs> I think it's all good. So thank you so much. It's been an absolute privilege to spend time with you. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, mate. So there we have it. Thanks for listening. Please do subscribe to the podcast for updates and, and rate the show. It really does help spread the word. And get in touch with me on LinkedIn. Bye for now. <laughs>